0: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Let's find our Bibles and James chapter number 5 tonight, James 5, and verse number 13. I'd like for us to stand, and we're going to read this. If you did not on the way in, get a message guide that might help you this evening. And I'd encourage you to maybe uh, grab one, or uh, Brother Grant maybe in the back. Is anyone missing a, a message guide tonight? All right, one right up here. If you could bring some in as well, maybe bring in some prayer sheets and have those ready for the end of the time. Let's read James chapter number 5 and verse number 13. Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And pray. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. I want us to read that out loud together. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now notice this illustration, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it should not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. brethren. If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house tonight. Uh, We don't want to take that for granted. And uh, Lord, I I don't doubt that we've come in here at all, uh, all places on the spectrum of emotions and uh, weariness um, even even just emotionally uh, joy or sadness all over the spectrum no doubt but Lord you know our spiritual needs you know our our condition afar of off so you're aware of all that and I'm thankful that you have a specific um, word of truth and guidance for each one of us and I pray by your spirit would you just take your word and apply it to our hearts and strengthen us and Edify your church tonight by your word, and we'll give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. I want us to grab this last portion of the book of James, and I believe it's very, very helpful. We've been on this journey of talk less and pray more. Really, it's just a a series that continually brings us back to the prayers of the Bible to help us to understand prayer is the answer. And uh, I know we know that, and we say that out loud, but prayer is the answer, and we need to believe it, and we need to put it into practice. And one of the ways that we really put it into practice is by uh, when we're coming up against something, we just say, let's pray. And, and that becoming a dominating thing within our church assemblies, but also just being a dominating thing within our homes, and let's pray about that. And my wife a couple times and I today just, uh, let's pray, uh, let's pray, let's just pray. And sometimes the prayers aren't flowery, sometimes the prayers are raw, Right? Uh, they're they're real. They're from the heart. Maybe they're 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 coming out of a heart of hurt. Maybe they're coming out of a heart of confusion. But it's so needed that we get to the point that we are we are seeking the Lord in prayer. And I find this particular prayer or this admonition to prayer at the end of the book of James, very, very interesting, because James was writing to the believers that were scattered abroad. Now, we have a little bit of advantage, if we've been here on Sunday morning, to understand that, that James was a pastor of the church there at Jerusalem, at least that's to our best understanding. He was the, he was the half-brother of, uh, of Christ, and he was the pastor there of a very large assembly of Jewish believers. And as you remember, Paul came into town, and uh, James had a largely Jewish church, and because of all that Paul was doing out in the Gentile regions of the world and what he was preaching out there, there was going to be a little bit of a rub, and so this is the same guy. And now James is writing as he starts out. Why don't you look there at the first, cha- um, first chapter of the book of James. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting my brethren Counted all joy, and he gets right into the matter of trials and persecutions that they're facing. Now, if you remember why they were scattered abroad, uh, if you go back to Acts chapter number eight and so on, you're gonna find that it was the persecution and even some of the the natural calamities that were going on in in Jerusalem, but mainly the persecution that caused the believers in the church to spread everywhere, which was what God wanted in the first place, Acts 1 and verse number 8. Ye shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. They were all huddling there. They had holy huddles. And even in churches today, we have holy huddles. I'm comfortable here. I don't want to move. And so we have holy huddles inside of churches. And God has a way of breaking up holy huddles. And he did there through the uh, method of persecution. But James is now uh, admonishing these probably around 49 AD, somewhere in this, maybe about, as we understand, about 13 years ahead of his death in 62 AD. uh, James is admonishing these believers to allow their faith to really work. And he talks here, and some, uh, some religions will come to James and they'll, they'll say, listen, you got to have works in order to have faith. You, you, get, you get faith by your works and so forth. You, you get salvation by works. And James was not teaching that, but he was teaching, listen, a faith that does not have good works flowing out of it is a dead faith. Something is wrong. So if, you, if, you're, if you're saying, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but I'm, I'm a kleptomaniac, you know, I'm, I'm stealing as I go through the store. I'm you know, eating the grapes off the... You know what I'm saying? There's a problem here. Something is not right when you're, when you, there is not good works flowing out of your faith. And so really what faith, uh, what the theme of James is, is is not just faith and works, but as one commentator uh, wrote, he said it's faith that works is the theme. And James is trying to help these believers that were scattered abroad have a faith that works. Have a faith that is... Is, is being demonstrated in your daily life. And so uh, I remember a believer that was saved here on Friend Day, probably 2018, and uh, she had just finished reading the book of James. I, I didn't encourage her to read the book of James first, but she had read there first, and she came in one Sunday morning, and she goes, that guy's really straightforward. I mean, and James is. I'm very straightforward, to the point. Hey, let's get this down. Uh, some have called James the Proverbs of the New Testament. So just full of pithy wisdom, talks about the tongue, and our tongue can set things on fire, right? Uh, it's a little member, but it can set on fire the whole course of nature. Isn't that amazing today? We see that happening all around, and, and uh, it's amazing. How, uh, in, uh, in the news and all that, you have a lot of tongues wagging and a lot of things being set on fire, right? And just uh, a whole, a whole uh, problems that come from the tongue. But James deals with that, and he's really dealing with these believers. I want you to have a faith that works, and God wants you to have a faith that works. He wants you to have a faith that when you say, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ, that it is, it's demonstrated in your life, a faith that, that works. But how's that going to happen? How do we work this life of faith? How do we go about living it? Because our lives are challenging, aren't they? Uh, We come up against things that we don't understand, we can't work through on our own, we've never been here before, I've never seen this issue before, how do we have a life of faith that actually works? And so James brings it all down to this conclusion in these last several verses, and he challenges the believers that are spread abroad, get to prayer, get to prayer, get to prayer. And so you've, you've been coming here on... The Wednesday nights of 2022, and you know that we're gonna get to this subject of prayer, and you say, Is there ever a different note? Listen, we must grab a hold of this. And there's much as we've learned, there's much inside of the Bible about this matter of prayer. And so if we can just keep inching every every week from a little different perspective, I think we'll be a healthier church for it. Wouldn't you agree? And so we we haven't looked at this passage of scripture yet on Wednesday night. And so I wanna I wanna deal with this and James uh, really gives us a, a wonderful picture of how to be praying uh, in our daily lives so that we might see God work and we might see a life of faith that is working. Our lives, our faith being demonstrated in our daily lives. And so I want us to notice how that James, first of all, in verse number 13, really deals with this matter that, that prayer should be happening at all times. Hey, you believers that are scattered abroad, you're facing challenges, you, you have persecution, you're, you're facing financial lack, uh, you have problems in your home, you have problems in the church, whatever the issue is, uh, you need to be praying at all times. Prayer is for all times. Do we not agree with that? Prayer is for all times. There's never a season that we should not be in prayer. What does the Bible say? Pray without, one more time, pray without ceasing and so it's very important that we're praying at all times he says here in verse number 13 is any among you afflicted let him pray let him pray now what do we oftentimes do is any among you afflicted let me share it right and we we have this we have this internal drive someone else needs to come with me in my affliction they need to be here they need to feel it with me let me spill it out on them let me vent it out on them and that's a human condition i fall into that that too And the the reality here is, he says, is any of you afflicted? Let him pray. There is a personal responsibility in our lives in the midst of pain to go to our Heavenly Father and to pray. And so he says, let him pray. The idea of suffering affliction here is the idea of pain. It's not just a physical pain. It can be emotional. And we're dealing with that a lot. There's a lot of emotional pain that goes on in people's lives. And what God says... Hey, make sure that you're praying in the midst of that. Yes, prayer is for those moments of pain, even the pain that no one else sees. Prayers for that moment. Not complaining, but praying, he tells them. Praying. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of light. So the way that we're gonna have a demonstrable faith, a faith that works, is even in the midst of pain, we're praying. Even in the midst of emotional distress, we're praying, we're seeking him. We're not complaining, but we're praying, and we're seeking the Lord in those moments. But not just in pain uh, should we be praying, but we also should be praying In times when it's good, we're experiencing the blessing of God. The bank account is full. The refrigerator is full. uh, The blessing of God is upon our life. And he says, in those moments, is any merry, let them sing psalms. You say, I don't want anyone to hear me sing a song. He says, let them sing a song. Let them sing a psalm. We look back to the hymn book of the Bible, the psalms, and I hope that you read through them. But he says, let them sing. Let them sing praises back to God. Listen, what a difference it would make if in the midst of pain and people know it at work, we pray and they see that about us. Our family sees that about us. But what a difference it makes when there's a merry heart and we're not gloating about it, about it but we're simply praising God about it. Praise the Lord. There's a song on your heart. There's whis- a whistle uh, coming off your lips. And so he says, "Sing, uh, sing psalms or sing praise. That's what we're doing when we sing wonderful words of life we're talking about the word of god that gives us eternal life and understanding it helps us to know how to be right with jesus christ to be forgiven of our sins and to have eternal life and to be right with our reconciled with our heavenly father we're singing that back to him that is a singing of praise does anyone marry well we have much to rejoice about sometimes it's hard and uh, we have to we have to stop and uh get a grip on it And realize that we should be counting our blessings right. It's not always easy. You all with me on that? It's not always easy. And sometimes maybe we don't do the best job at that. But he says, I want those that are experiencing the blessing of God. They're on the mountaintop. They need to be singing psalms or praying uh, the praise back to the Lord in those moments. We're not to hold back in prayerful praise. Uh, we are to sing those songs to the Lord, and that's even why when we gather together and hear, there's such a ministry that happens when you open your voice and you sing to the Lord. There's a v- there's a ministry you're ministering to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh, even if your voice doesn't sound awesome, you're ministering to the Lord in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You're you're helping one another. You're praising the Lord, and I can tell you, I can tell you, many times. That my heart has been burdened, and it is the songs of the congregation, hearing the songs sung in here, that changes changes the direction of my heart, or changes the mood of my heart. And uh, it's an amazing thing. And so he says, "Hey, make sure that we are singing songs. Let us be merry uh, before the Lord." And, and just while I say that, um, the world has its praise songs, doesn't it? They praise drugs and and relationships, and fevery and all my exes are in Texas, and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? They have all their praises, but our song is so, it's so different, and it's to be new, and friends, the world ought to hear us singing a different song. We ought not be ashamed of, uh, of the song. We ought not be ashamed to praise the Lord in song, in song that honors the Lord, and there's a whole, there's a whole push in, these, in this day to have a song that, that is so close to the worldly sound that unless you really tune in and hear, oh, they just mentioned Jesus in there, that must be a Christian song. Well, we got a real problem what's going on in, in quote-unquote Christian music. Let your song be so distinctive that when people hear it, they have no, no doubt in their mind this is a song for God. And, uh, and I encourage you about that. And by the way, if you make your diet. The edgy music that is "quote unquote" Christian uh, music—you're going to be very shallow in your in your praise to the Lord. Listen, you can only say "I praise the Lord" or "I love Jesus" so many times in a song. (laughs) I mean, the the amount of repeating that goes on. Listen, let's get some songs just like we opened up our uh, song—more about Jesus and uh, how great Thou art—and some of these these old hymns of the faith. I'm not against new, but some of these old hymns of the faith—they're rich in truth. You could read them for your devotions, and you could get truth, and it would encourage your heart. And so, uh, just let's make sure that our song uh, that we sing when our hearts are merry, and that we sing songs that are that are Christ-like in, in those times. So, in our praise, we should be praying, but also in sickness. Look at verse number fourteen. He says, "Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders." Now, I'm not going to break. I'm not going to go far into the anointing with oil. That's not the purpose of tonight. Um, I've dealt with that in other times, but I want us to really notice something. The word "sick" here has the idea not not so much uh, as diseased, as much as someone who is weary. Uh, literally, the word has the idea of being exhausted, tired, worn out, fatigued. Uh, so this is what what is the attribute of this person. Now I want you to get in context. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the brethren that are spread about. They're on the run. They're struggling, they may not have, they've been displaced, they're struggling. So he's talking to people who may be weary in well-doing. They may be really struggling, why is God allowing this in my life? And maybe this isn't even worth it, maybe I should just go back to Jerusalem, recant it all, and just go back to the life I had, get back to my store, get back to my shop, be able to go back to the temple and, and worship with the rest of my family. Is this all really worth it? And maybe even people that have gotten to the point that they are worn out or burnt out morally or just in their resolve to continue on for the Lord Jesus. And it is the idea there in this word, this this weariness, this fatigue that is set in in that way. The only other time that this word is used in the New Testament or uh, a close uh, close relation to this word is found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 3. Why don't you turn over there with me for a moment. Hebrews chapter 12, it's just a couple pages back. Hebrews 12 and verse number 3. And I want you to notice verse number 1 first so we grab the context. Wherefore, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that's who's gone on before us, um, the heavenly host, but uh, specifically those who have gone on before us, those who have run the, the Christian life, Paul, Peter, maybe you could fill in a few relatives there that you know that have, have walked with the Lord and are now... In heaven let us lay aside every weight every weight those are things that may not be bad but they're just dragging you down maybe it's schedule, priorities they're, ju- they're they keep you from fully running the Christian life and the sin and there he gets the things where we're just we're just crossing over the line we're sinning against God and anytime sins in our life it, it boggles up it's like uh, it's like what happens inside of a car engine uh, I know Brother Morris has talked to me about places to get gas and not to get gas because of what it does to your engine. And uh, he's very concerned about where he gets gas so that his engine stays clean. Why? Because, well, if the gunk gets in there, then, then uh, your car starts not working very well. So sin does that in our lives. Uh, it, it gunks up, it cl- uh, clogs it up, and uh, it, it makes a real problem. So we're to lay aside, we're to put those off, those sins which stuff so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto jesus didn't say looking to your to your fellow believers it says looking unto jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of god now here's what we don't want to miss notice this for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Who are we to consider? Jesus Christ, the one that 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 endured such contradiction of sinners. I mean, you had the kangaroo court that that brought Jesus uh, into court overnight and brought up false witnesses against him. And he, the writer of Hebrews, is telling us, "Hey, you need to consider. You need to stop and consider Jesus Christ, who endured the contradictions of sinners against himself. Why? Or What's the purpose of this consideration? Lest ye be, what? Wearied and faint in your minds. There's the word. Wearied and faint in your minds. The idea of being exhausted. I don't know if I can keep on. And so to the person that is sick, the believer that is sick and is exhausted in the Christian life, here's what he is to do. He's responsible to call to the leaders of the church and say, hey, I need prayer. Specifically, it gets into a, a custom here of, of anointing with oil. But the, the focus is not the oil. The focus is on the prayer, the prayer of faith, that will give healing or give renewal, give restoration. So let me say this. You get to a point where, like, I'm just on the edge of burning out. I'm on the edge of being exhausted with this whole thing. I feel like every time I turn around, I am, I'm getting pummeled by Satan. I'm on the edge of this thing. You need to reach out, and you need to say, hey, I, I need some prayer. You need to be open about that. And does that not take transparency? Does that not take humility? That you're not super Christian, right? Or We're not super Christian, and I need, I need someone to bear a burden with me. Isn't that what Jesus told us to do in Galatians chapter six and verse number one and, and four? Bury one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that our privilege? And I think, I don't know of a believer here that wouldn't, wouldn't pray with you in a, in a situation like that and we even have that opportunity at the end of the service. So James is not referring to the bedfast, the diseased or the ill as much as he's writing to those who have grown weary, become weak, morally, spiritually in the midst of their suffering. And so we have that happen today. And aren't you thankful that God's prescription to that is prayer, but specifically get some people in here who can pray with you. And specifically call the elders of the church, pastors of the church and and make uh, and ask for prayer in that way concerted prayer but notice prayer and pain so emotional pain prayer when you're you're we're are you are merry-hearted and you're excited sing some praise back to god in in in, in prayer but also in this matter of sickness and the weariness but notice he says in verse number 16 confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye be healed i especially appreciate taking this on um, this passage or this verse with guys, I think guys, we especially need this very, very much. Uh, It is not our tendency to be transparent about our faults or our failings. And uh, sin thrives in the shadows. Let's say that together. Sin thrives in the shadows. There's something about transparency that really helps us to be right with God and right with, with one another. And so James says, listen, confess your faults one to another. I told uh, you this before. That verse used to, used to scare the living daylights out of me. I uh, remember, I remember as a teenager, um, we went to this uh, this old German Baptist camp meeting revival meeting, and uh, they had wooden back pews, and uh, it was I don't I don't remember music being there, brother Grant, uh, like piano and all that. It was just it was. Uh, you and voices, and it was, it was something else. But uh, there was a man by the name of Denny Keniston that was a preacher. He put Brother Caleb's beard to shame, right? I mean, it just it was, it was just a beard. And he was just a rugged kind of uh, from Pennsylvania mountain, a mountain type man. and uh, his voice was just very declarative. And I remember being in this, this very hot auditorium and he opens up the word and he and I had heard ahead of time, when Denny Kinniston preaches, it, you know, you better be right with God or you're going to get right with God. And so there's just kind of this, mm, like, this is going to be an interesting night. And I'm a teenager and, uh, you know, just, just struggling with all those um, things and certainly don't want to be transparent with anybody, right? And uh, so uh, I remember him opening up to, uh, to uh, this, this passage of Scripture to uh, James chapter 5, verse number 16, and really encouraging and preaching, declaring, hey, you need to confess your faults one to another. And I'm thinking, they're going to have a time where everyone stands up and confesses their faults one to another, and this is going to be really bad. So I was always very afraid of that. Until later in life, I realized, you know, this, this has to do more with, hey, brother, I, I really struggle with this. Would you be willing to pray with me about this? And getting transparent. That's some of the joys, the beauties of getting together, maybe at like a, a camp out or just getting together for coffee. And hey, would you pray for me in this way? And I can think of uh, many, many pastor friends, for me in particular, that, that boy, it's, it's nice to be able to say, hey, this is something I'm struggling with. I, I know this, this isn't, this is, the Lord would want me to grow in this area, but would you pray for me? And uh, it it is is a blessing to be able to share with one another and to bear in that way. So we we see here that humility and transparency are needed. This isn't just a guy's thing, but in every one of our lives, humility and transparency is needed. Confess the idea of knowledge. God still expects us to acknowledge our our sin. This isn't right. And we often think of God as just this person that's just going to come down and strike us. God longs for us to be right with him. How many of you, Brother, um, Brother Jack just said he finished on the, um, the Old Testament, and how many of those Old Testament authors are writing down to a sinful people of God, and God saying, I want you back. I want you back. Yes, i got to bring you into judgment, but I want you back. And we have this mentality, God's just waiting to strike us dead. No, the, God wants us back, and so the idea of, of confessing and praying for one another is what? Look at verse number 16, that you might be healed, that you might be healed. So the whole point is not hurting one another. It's not just sharing something for, you know, to get, get it all out there. And by the way, it's not just airing dirty laundry. That's, that's, a, that's a danger too. You know, there's some things that, that don't need to be said. Uh, there's, there's some uh, appropriateness that needs to be had. But at the same time, there's the idea that, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to put up a, a front that I'm perfect. That I'm not putting up a mask that everything, everything's good. I have a, a need here, and would you pray? And it says, and pray one for another, and pray one for another. Now, if this happens, this is not something where as, as believers who would want to honor Christ that we go and take, did you hear what I heard in prayer time? and then spread it, right? That's, that's not the point at all. The whole point of this is, is a family of God working together so that healing and health might be there, that there, there might be building forward. And so the idea is acknowledge it, and that's what David did against thee, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That's what David did. I acknowledged the fault. He acknowledged, and what fault is, the idea of transgression or passing over the boundary. God says no, and we pass over the boundary. And so he says, acknowledge those faults and, and um, pray one for another so that you might be healed, so that there might be health there. The goal of confession and prayer is not hurt, but it is healing. And we need to remember that. And we need to be a church family that always keeps that in mind. Now, I want to jump ahead, and this isn't the right way to technically do this um, in flow, because there's a thought here, but I want us to jump ahead to the last two verses of the, of the chapter, verse 19 and, and 20. Because James gives us an illustration about praying in specific ways and God coming through and the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man does avail much, it, it does accomplish. So James deals with that, and we'll deal with that in a moment, But I want us to notice how this thought about erring or sin continues. Brethren, if any do err, or the idea of turning away from truth, and one convert him, the word convert is the idea to restore, and one restore him, let him know that he which converteth or restoreth the sinner from the error of his way shall save or deliver a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So, the whole context here is not one of exposing and just like uh, demeaning and ri- ridiculing. That whole idea that James is getting at is through prayer, you're going to be able to deliver this person from the sure consequences of sin. And even there are times where a person, even a believer, can, um, progresses on in sin, and the consequence ends up being death, where God brings them to the end of the, uh, an early death. That's scary. But can you think about believers who have a heart of prayer, who, who are praying together, and actually see that person delivered back from those consequences? That's pretty awesome. And that's what God wants. And so he says, hey, the person that is the restorer ought to know, he's delivered that person from death, and he's covered a multitude of sins. It, it, it hasn't been allowed to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, the, the issue has been dealt with, and, and God has been glorified, and the person has gone on to health. And so uh, James is dealing here and and talking about those that are saved. A lost sheep is saved from destruction, and his sins uh, are covered as if a veil were thrown over them. It's just it's it's God has has brought restoration to that situation, and that happens through prayer. So, in pain, in praise, in sickness, and in sin, in all these times, we should be praying, and prayer should be a part of the church in these areas. So let's go a little bit further. Prayer is for all times ups and downs. Ups and downs. We can practice that this week. you have all had ups this week or has it been all down this week? Little, little bit of both, okay? So in all times we're praying but I want us to notice in verse number 16 and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll finish out this whole thought with this illustration. Prayer is able to do much. Prayer is able to do much. Notice a condition that God puts on prayer. He says the effectual Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Say that out loud with me. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Notice he says of a righteous man. Now he's not just being specific, gender specific. That is in general, humanity. So of a righteous person, a righteous follower of Christ. Righteous is the idea of a person characterized by righteous actions or morals. They're obeying the word of God. So they're, they're walking in Christ likeness. Uh, So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, avails much. Uh, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There is a real sense that if we are harboring in our heart, we say, nope. My pastor growing up used to call it, um, believers, uh, they have their pet sins, right? So the idea that I'm holding on to this, I'm raising this, this is something that's a part of my life, I'm not willing to give up. And so he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So this condition, if prayer is going to do much, if prayer is going to really work, if we're going to see the fruit of prayer, then we must realize that there is a requirement of righteousness. Prayer from the life and lips of a godly man or woman is powerful and impactful. We do not see the full extent of prayer if we're walking in disobedience to the Lord. Now, I want us to catch, uh, catch this with, uh, with a, a man by the name of John Welch. And I really want to encourage you, if you've never studied back in the life of John Welch, I am very intrigued by this individual, a preacher from back in the 1600s. You say, why go back to, um, back to him? He was known for his intercession. He was a, a Scottish intercessor, an evangelist, a preacher. He prayed seven or eight hours a day. Um, he was a man, and by that, he didn't sleep much. <laughs> if he was up at night, he even had a special blanket. If he was up at night, he would wrap himself in that blanket, and he would just pray. Uh, he kept a plaid blanket on his bed for that purpose. There were times his wife would find him laying on the floor weeping. She would, and when she would complain, he would say, Oh, woman, I have the souls of 3,000 to answer for, and I know not how it is with many of them. He went through a, a plague that hit Scotland, and uh, he was just always burdened for people and the preaching of the gospel. Uh, you would think that he w- might have been a little bit more of a, uh, you know, uh, an obscure guy or a guy that kept his distance. He was very engaging to people. Uh, once a year, he would open up his home for a a large, uh, as they would say, a, a party. But he, w- they would just they would have a feast of holiness, as as was written down about him, just in. Uh, just having wholesome fellowship together, but he's a very interesting man. Uh, He was a man that really just focused on prayer. Uh, Sometimes before he would go to the pulpit to preach, he would send for the elders and He would tell them he was afraid to go to the pulpit because he found himself empty. He would ask uh, one or more of them to pray, and he would get uh, into the pulpit, but it was observed that by this humble exercise in his life of just seeking prayer and just uh, knowing his utter emptiness before the Lord, he would have great and extraordinary power. Uh, He pastored the Church of Er, uh, which was some distance from the town. He would spend oftentimes whole nights there praying in the building. Uh, He was a man who had discovered that there was no point in ministering if God was not with him. So he pressed into God through prayer because he wanted to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. And out of that world came a manifest a manifestation of God's power and glory in his ministry. There is an account of, of him um, that, uh, well, on account of his holiness, his ability, and his success, people just began to really admire and respect him. Uh, There was a plague that came to Scotland and the magistrates of Ayr, the town that he he was in, uh, decided to guard the ports with sentinels and watchmen because the plague was raging in much of Scotland. So they basically shut down travel, their modern day of shutting down travel. And it had not reached that city yet. And so one day two traveling merchants came to the town. They had packed cloths uh, upon their horses and they were desiring to enter the town so they might sell these things. And so the magistrates uh, came out to, to deal with these guys and say, hey, uh, you can't come in. Well, uh, we come from a town that there is n- uh, none of the plague. There's no reportings of it. And so they called John Welch out and, uh, and said, what do you think? And he took off his hat and he looked to heaven and prayed for a few moments and then, uh, and then turned to the magistrates and say, you need to discharge these men. You need to send them on. They sent them on because they didn't do anything without his, his input because he had just gotten uh, the respect as a man who uh, sought God. They sent him on, in the next town where they went and sold the, sold the cloths, uh, the plague had broken out in, that, in that, that town, so much so that they say that the living could not bury the dead. They were so sick in that town. And so he just, he really uh, got an, a, a reputation for being a man who talked with God, and God gave him guidance. A, a very, very interesting man. So you can do more reading about him uh, later. But I want us just to get a hold of this fact. When the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, we can see that in the life of a, a, a John Welch. We can see that in the life of Elijah, as we'll uh, see here in a moment. One man said it this way, the greatest and best talent that God gives to any man or woman in this world is the talent to pray, the talent to pray, to seek the Lord. Lord, I need you. And I'm thankful for the folks in our church that know how to pray and, and our special prayer warriors. And there's sometimes that I, I've, I've called folks that I know pray. And it's a blessing when, when they pray, uh, they're, moving, they're moving heaven on, the, on these matters. We need to all seek that. None of us, none of us are excluded from the opportunity of prayer. None of us. And so he says the, the condition is Righteous. And you want to see God work in, in your life. Are you walking according to God's word? Is there any known sin in your life? And when we confess that to the Lord, the beautiful thing is, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can pray uh, just like Elijah. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Praise the Lord for that. But notice verse 16 in, in the last part of it. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Notice this effective reality: when we are walking in righteousness and seeking the Lord from a righteous heart, when we're calling out to Him, there's nothing between our soul and the Savior. Notice this: He says that it avails much, and I love this word that is used here because it's the idea to become sufficient to meet the neater task. When we sometimes look to the help of others and look to the help of the world, look to the help of our finance, and say, "If I only had this," I could solve this problem God says no the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man that's what is sufficient to meet the need that is what is able to meet the need that's in front of us so all the things that we just talked about in pain in praise in sickness and in sin the effectual prayer of the righteous man is able to meet every situation that's in front of us. It is sufficient to meet the task. Prayer is the means by which God has designed the life of faith to work. So whatever's in front of you right now, whatever you are facing, good or bad, prayer is the, what God has designed to meet that need. It is what God has designed for the life of faith to work. So so James is saying, listen, we want, to have, we want to have faith that works. How does that happen? Through prayer. Through prayer. In every time. Good and bad times and every time. So in James 5 and verse number 17, Elias was a man of uh, subject to like passions. What does that mean? The idea that he was of the same makeup as you and I. He was of the same emotional makeup. Uh, tell me about Elijah. Let's, let's think about his, his ministry for a moment. Help me out. What are some of the highlights, what are some of the moments in Elijah's ministry? Okay. Now, it's really hard because because Elijah and Elisha, all right? So it says Elias here. This is referring to the first one, Elijah. And so I always remember this by J comes before S, right? So Elijah's first. All right, so what are some of, the, what are some of the, the instances in his life? Were they all high? Was he just an amazing servant of the Lord and always in a good mood and always just seeing all sorts of triumph? Yeah, like uh, Jezebel said, uh, by this time tomorrow, I'm gonna have your head. That was the, the first lady of, of Israel. We haven't, we haven't faced that yet. Uh, so by this time tomorrow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have your head, you're going to be done. And so he runs and he goes to the brook uh, Cherith and God feeds him there with what? Ravens. See, so he got, I mean, that was before DoorDash. It was, it was a heavenly DoorDash. And, uh, and he, he gets fed there, but he's depressed, let me die. God brings him up and shows him that, you know, God's not in the, the whirlwind and, and, and so on, but he's in the still small voices where God was and the quiet and, and all of that. Yes? No, that was Jonah. But, but, but good thought there. So you have a man that had ups and downs. If you go back and study the life of Eli- Elijah, you're going to find that when the Bible says he was of like passions, he went through the ups and downs of life like you do. And then the Bible gives us this, this really interesting statement. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, so what's going on there? Ahab is king. Ahab and Jezebel, some of the worst kings in Israel. Uh, worst uh, king and queen in Israel. I mean, just exceptionally wicked people. And they, they didn't like the people of God. And they, um, Jezebel would have liked for Elijah to be dead. But it, it says that He prayed, and what was he praying about? Lord, you need to get attention. You need to get Israel's attention. You need to get the king's attention. And so he prays, and God shuts down the rain for three and a half years. Elijah is credited by God in Scripture, inspired Scripture, as the one who prayed and and heaven responded in that way. That's pretty amazing. And then after... After the incident on Mount, uh, Mount Carmel, where the 400 prophets of Baal were up there and they were ch- um, praying for days upon days upon days, uh, "Hey, answer, answer!" and, and um, by fire and, and consume this uh, the sacrifice. And there's another prayer of Elijah up there where he prayed, and it, it, it's not many. I forget how many words it is. It's not very many at all. And God answers by fire. And it was at that point that they they uh, they dealt with all the prophets. Uh, in a very severe way, and that that made uh, Jezebel very irate. But uh, you do remember that he was able to pray, and rain rain came, rain came. Uh, it says there, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now, have any of you prayed and stopped the rain? People in Dallas would appreciate that, and in Texas. Not being really facetious, I mean that's that's pretty extraordinary. I mean when when God is saying He prayed and this this happened, this is what I did in response to His prayer. That's pretty pretty extraordinary. Yeah. I mean what an extraordinary guy. So what is what is in this for us to learn is if he's of like passion and he can pray and see God do extraordinary things like that. You can pray too. We have the same God. We have the same God. And what is the condition? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. So, what does that behoove us to do? Lord, I want to be right with you. We're not perfect, none of us are perfect. I want to be right with you. Is there anything between me and you? Now, Lord, you see this need that's ahead of us. You see our nation. You see this issue in our family. You see our church. We want to reach Kettering with the gospel. I want to reach this person with the gospel. And we're seeking the Lord from a righteous heart. And, uh, and God will work. It avails much. So what, what, whatever the situation is in front of you, whether it's pain, whether it's a high note of praise, praise the Lord, sing in those moments. Or is it sickness, just fatigue, burnout, weariness? Sin, whatever the situation is, prayer is needed. Prayer is needed. Pray at all times. And prayer does indeed avail much when it's coming from the the life and lips of a righteous person. And so let's ask the Lord to help us with this tonight. Would you bow for a moment and just there between you and the Lord, maybe you are in emotional pain tonight. Maybe you're just deflated. I think most of us probably could identify with that just struggling on the inside, will you pray to your Father in your affliction, casting all your cares upon Him? I know sometimes when we say that, it might not be the encouragement that that you feel you need, but it is good to remind yourself that your Heavenly Father wants your burden and He wants you to pray and say, Lord, I'm done trying to handle this. I can't handle it. I'm turning it over to you, all of it. Maybe that's what you need to do right there in your seat tonight. I I, I cast this burden on you. Maybe it is you're in a moment where you're just experiencing the blessing of God. Would you let your voice, like a bird, just chirp praises back to God? On the way home tonight, give God a song of praise in your car. Sing with your family. Is it sickness? You're overwhelmed, you're weary, you're exhausted. Would you Call out for, reach out for prayer so that you can be delivered through concerted prayer, so you can be healed, that you can know health. Maybe you find yourself in sin, and the Lord's prompting in your heart about it. Will you acknowledge it to Him so you can be healed and seek the Lord in prayer? Would you allow someone else to come alongside and, and to know that with you and pray with you so that you can be healed? The means by which God has designed the life of faith to work is through prayer. Our Father, tonight, we're grateful for your truth and your word, and we ask that you would, that you would push us forward, that you would guide us forward by your word and by your truth, that you would help us, and help us to pray at all times. No matter what we're facing, help us to pray at all times. And even as we pray here together before we leave this evening, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to encourage one another with the things that we've learned this evening. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.